Welcome to the Startup Competitors Podcast, where we talk with early stage entrepreneurs to understand what information they use to inform product roadmap, strategy, and market differentiation. Hello there. Today we're talking with the co-founders of LSX, which is a platform that is looking to connect startups with media opportunities. Awesome conversation. Really enjoyed it. LSX just launched, um, I think, last week uh, on Product Hunt, and they're taking applications to be a part of the platform right now. So go check that out, lsx.com. Also, if you're not a subscriber to the podcast, please do that. Uh, also, love reviews. Uh, helps us get the word out about the podcast. And if you would like to drop me a note, you can do so at mkelly at startupcompetitors.com. Thank you so much. If you happen to be looking for a way to ignite your brand, spark some sales, or maybe just fire up your team, branded merchandise might be the way to do that. You can learn more about different items that are available to put your logo on at fuelmerchandise.com. It can be simple startup swag, corporate gifts, anything you're looking for, you can find it at fuelmerchandise.com. Mention startup competitors, get 10% off your first order. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have the co-founders of LSX, and those co-founders are Leah Rusova and Richard Mensa. Welcome. Thank Hi, you for Mike. having us. Oh. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this came up a couple of times. No worries. All right. Well, uh, Leah, why don't you give us a quick pitch for LSX and what you and Richard are doing? Yeah, Sure. So LSX is the first visibility as a service platform that matches startups with event managers and media based on mutual interest. We help startups get exposure for their products early in their journey. So think of them as you've just launched the product, you have a certain number of users, you have revenue coming in. Typically, you may have raised a small angel round. Um, or been through an accelerator. And now what you want to do is get the word out and get more users, attract potential partners. We help you get that exposure that would make that happen very quickly and easily. It actually takes exactly two clicks. And um, we are very excited to be serving this innovative customer segment. What are some of the ways that you help startups get that exposure? Can you talk through some of the either tactics or partners and how you do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the way it works is that startups would apply to get an invite to LSX. We're an invite-only community. And if we uh, review the answers and we find out that, yes, they fit the uh, type of criteria that we're looking for, we will send an invite. Then they set up a quick profile about themselves and their companies, and they can see relevant opportunities based on the type of visibility they would be looking for, whether that's judging pitch competitions, speaking at events, or uh, media exposure. Got it. Why did the two of you choose invite only? So um, what we realized from the beginning was like upon having people join, we realized that, I mean, media and event organizers, they need to be able to cover a startup based on like a certain level of traction or certain level of funds raised or certain level of product development. And we didn't just want people who just like came in and just thought of an idea and woke up the next morning and just felt like being on an index to have 
um, access to the like the networks we'll be giving them on the platform. So we wanted to make it exclusive so that then we can have the right people connect with the other right people on the other side, which is the media or the event organizers. And this is going to help increase overall value for the entire on the, on the platform, like indefinitely. So, I mean, we had to restrict it because we, I mean, in the beginning, we saw people just join the platform who were not so having a startup or serious about having a startup. And we wanted to restrict those people from being a part of the platform early on. And to add to that, uh, we've actually seen a lot of demand for what LSX is doing from different types of businesses, from law firms to even an independent movie production studio. But uh, for now, we need to remain focused on our core customer segment, which is high growth tech startups, before we expand into additional verticals, because otherwise we would not be able to help anyone if we tried to help everybody at the same time. Mm -hmm. That's true. And then why don't you paint a picture of current status of the company? Uh, any vanity metrics you guys can share either. I And I think this is one of the things we're targeting with this podcast is a little bit of a launch. So why don't you guys talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, sure. So uh, today, May 20th, we're actually live on Product Hunt. And this is our first public launch. Until now, we've been in private beta. We have about 70 startups on LSX. Some of them include uh, Y Combinator and Techstars alumni, and we have a handful of bootstrap companies as well. Other than that, uh, we have about 20 event partners, including the MIT 100K competition is one of them. And uh, we have just started out building the media side of LSX as well. Got it. And then paint. Maybe a short timeline, next few months. What do you think that looks like from a product perspective uh, in terms of when other functionality or partners might come on board? In the next few months, we have the media side, which is going to be done. So we plan to launch the media side within at least the next three months. Right after that, we'll be incorporating a lot of like intelligence. So I mean, we're moving to having like a smarter, better, smarter matchmaking algorithm and stuff like that. We want to make it more efficient to be on LSX, right? And we also want to be building our community of founders and event organizers and the media. So we're bringing them together and having whether virtual or physical events, whenever we're allowed to do that, to be able to actually foster the relationships with these guys so they can actually help each other succeed in the longer term. But we have a whole lot of other things coming up in the next few years. I don't want to talk too much about that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have ways of making you talk. All right. Perfect. Let's jump into kind of the market and the landscape that you guys are launching in. So when you think of competitors for LSX, who or what comes to mind? And you don't have to name specific competitors, but as you think about positioning this product, how do the two of you think about it? Yeah, so we actually launched as a response to how visibility works. Uh, It's an industry that hasn't changed in over a century, believe it or not. And it still relies on things like relationships or manual human labor. For that, the cost of getting visibility is extremely high. And startups were kind of naturally excluded from that visibility, especially at the earlier stages, because they could not really afford the options that existed out there. The most popular option that most people resort to nowadays is uh, hiring a publicist, but that costs like thousands of dollars a month. And an early stage startup cannot afford to do that. 
option number two would be to go and seek out those opportunities by yourself. Oftentimes, that involves finding event managers and media and pitching them directly. But most of us don't have the networks that allow us to easily reach these people. So if you don't have that, that means you have to do extensive research and spend a lot of time. We know a couple of founders who spent over 100 hours doing this. And in the end of the day, they thought that the ROI was not worth it because they got minimal results and it was distracting from the business. So when it comes to competition, these are the main options we are competing with. There are also a few online resources that focus on either connecting people with media specifically. We don't know of any that are only focused on events for startups. Uh, The good thing about LSX is that it consolidates all types of visibility at once, and it works in a way that's beneficial for both sides, as opposed to only serving one side and getting, for example, media bombarded with pitches that uh, they don't want to be receiving. To add to that, I mean, when we think of competition, looking at the event organizer side, um, the average event organizer, like when they want to have an event, they just reach out to people in their networks and they try and connect with their audiences to see if they know someone who might be a good fit for their event. So there are a number of ways that are quite inefficient right now. And I mean, most people are used to it, right? So we are seeing that, I mean, there's a bit of resistance from them to be able to like adapt to like change and like be able to um, use what we have. But we're also seeing a certain segment of customers who are like really excited about what we have for the med- for the event organizer side because of the fact that it makes it so easy. All they have to do is literally just put the day of the event they want to have. They want to put the uh, date of the event and the time and who the ideal speakers would be. And they just have to leave it on LSX. Within a week or two or even less than a day, we could actually get people, startup founders or startup members who have insights on the topic you want to discuss at the event, become part of the event where they share like their insights with their audience. So what we're essentially doing is sort of like um, making planning really great events easy for everybody. So it's more like we're democratizing events for everybody, high quality events. So you can have TechCrunch level events like in your room with if you have a good audience. That's what we're trying to do with that part. So, I mean, looking at competition, I mean, one of the main competitors we're also facing is people's um, ability to be able to um, trust that people from outside their networks are also as good as people from within their networks, because that's something we're also seeing with customers. Some of them are really open to the idea of having someone who is we've pivoted come and speak at the event, but there are also people who also want to actually know these people, know someone who knows this person with a first, second, or third degree connection somehow before they can understand that this person might be good because yeah, the, the person they know said so. So that is how we're trying to like compete with that part too. I, I guess it just occurred to me that you're building a two-sided marketplace, right? Because not only do you have to go acquire startups, to, to use your platform, you also have to go acquire event organizers, media partners, things like that. How do you guys think about customer acquisition on the media side of things uh, with the people who are coming here looking for startups? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. So first of all, I want to clarify that we're using the term marketplace a little loosely because uh, typically when you say marketplace, it kind of connotes that one side will be paying the other for a service that's performed. 
And that's not the case on LSX. Startups typically don't compensate media or event managers for getting visibility. We charge a flat fee that is our fee for procuring those opportunities. But to put somebody on stage or have them on a podcast show, for example, uh, the other side is not compensated because we believe that that would undermine meritocracy and would not result in the best people being featured. So with that said, in terms of user acquisition on the media side, we've done a couple of things. One is a lot of the current early adopters that we have come from direct emails. We would find uh, podcasters or freelance writers who cover startups and technology. And we would typically email them directly, understand what the problems they're dealing with are, and see if they would be open to joining LSX. Other than that, we're using Twitter. And in the future, we also plan on mining some of the existing platforms that exist for media connection between people and members of the media that seem to be less efficient than LSX is. So thank you for the clarification on marketplace and kind of how you guys think about it. And you said meritocracy in there, and I noticed on your website, meritocracy is one of your core values. Can you guys talk a little bit about that? That is an uncommon core value for a company. (laughs) Yeah. So um, it's actually funny because we identified the core values before we officially started the company. Richard and I just sat down together and we were like, okay, if we're building something together, what kind of organization do we want to create? What do we want our customers and our future employees to think about when they hear about LSX? And we identified meritocracy in a way that because for us, it's very important that people who are talented are given equal chances, no matter what their personal background is. It doesn't matter uh, where you were born, where you went to school. All all that matters is what you can do and how you can perform. So that is something that is very near and dear to us. Uh, We want to incorporate that for our customers. Obviously, when you're qualified, you should be getting opportunities. But it's also something very internal and how we view uh, hiring at LSX, how we view in the future, how people would be getting promoted and taking on greater responsibility within the company. And there's a famous saying that goes like talent is universal, but opportunity is not. So what we believe like as a company is that you should, I mean, not as a company, but as all our stakeholders, that you should actually earn what you have. You shouldn't just, I mean, rely on what past backgrounds or past successes, but like you should be able to prove yourself and prove that you're worth what you're supposed to be getting kind of thing. So that's what we're trying to do, trying to create a world where anyone who's really talented should be able to be recognized because of the fact that he's talented and not because of the fact that he's talented and he, I mean, has some other extra stuff like from a good background and stuff like that. So we're trying to make it equal for everybody to be able to get access to equal opportunities. So I know you guys are doing some manual screening for startups that apply right now. Uh, and, and and I can imagine as you build out product, some of that will, I'm sure, become automated over time. What are 
some of the other ways that you guys think you'll be able to capture those signals from a meritocracy perspective when you think about the product roadmap long term? How will you, you know, systematically find the best startups and float them to the top to help them get matched with the best opportunities? Okay, so from there, what we're, we're actually thinking of so many ways, right? So there are so many ways people handle, um, they call it reputation management online. So like, I mean, companies like Airbnb and Uber, they have reviews. Um, we're thinking of what is the future of reputation management online, right? How do we do it that doesn't really incorporate like inherent like biases humans already have? Because I mean, everybody is biased in a way, I mean, including me. But what we're trying to see is how do we, how do we move beyond what people think of a person in a particular moment to like an average of who this person is based on not exactly people's reviews, but like independent or like impartial like algorithms. So that's why we're seeing it. We're probably going to use a lot of machine learning right there to be able to um, and come up with some very unique algorithm to be able to equally distribute opportunities to who actually deserves it instead of just giving it to the people who get this, the most opportunity every time. So we can resurface the people that have gotten less opportunities but are quite talented from um, what they tell us before joining the platform. So we'll be looking a lot more into machine learning as we do that on the platform and we're not really, we're, we have, I have, I mean, we have a couple of ideas on how to do that, but we're, we're actually developing a data science um, part of the company now. So we have like a, about a 20% data science, I mean, algorithms done. So we're trying to like get there, I mean, hopefully by the end of the year, but we're looking to make it equal and not rely on what currently exists now. Love it. This episode is brought to you by Full Stack PEO. Most founders start companies because they figured out a better way to solve a problem or serve a need, not because they love tracking payroll, filling out compliance forms, and explaining employee benefits packages. And yet, all that stuff still has to be done. That's why there's Full Stack PEO. Full Stack PEO specializes in turnkey HR for emerging companies, not just those core services, but advice and expertise that help founders maximize employee potential. Curious? Find out more at fullstackpeo.com. If I gave the two of you, if I said I wanted to become an investor right now, gave the two of you, which uh, this is hypothetical, I don't have $500,000. But if I wanted to give you $500,000 right now as a company, how do you guys think you would spend that? How much of that would go into product versus marketing? And I'd be in, in particular be interested in where you think you would spend that from a marketing perspective. (laughs) <laughs> I would say that the majority of it will actually go into product. We don't believe in paid acquisition uh, for users. We think that if you are building something that people want, they would want to refer their friends. So us spending money to uh, put ads and acquire users would likely not be the best investment and could mask bigger problems within the company. We want to make sure that people are happy with what we have and that they really enjoy the product. And the best way to know that somebody likes what you have is when they tell their friends about it. And right now, even though we have been in beta for a while, our primary customer acquisition driver has been word of mouth. Yeah. So, I mean, back to what Leah said, I mean, paid acquisition is pretty much off the table. So, I mean, we'll probably invest in creating the best experiences for our users. And I mean, if once they love us, they'll tell everybody else about us. So that's the plan with that. I'm 
still processing that you don't believe in paid acquisition for users. All right, we got to dig into that deeper. Where where does that come from? I have to imagine both of you have software that you use that you found because that that you use and you love and you found it because of a paid acquisition campaign, right? So clearly, if you found software that you love through paid acquisition, why wouldn't you think others could find software that they love through that? Actually, uh, I can't remember an instance where I found software that I uh, use because of paid acquisition. It's usually been either people that I know who have told me about something that I have to try uh, because they love it so much or me doing research online and I've come across helpful articles that are talking about the problem and that ended up being created by the software that is solving the problem. So content marketing is definitely a very powerful engine. And I think that uh, when it comes to marketing, this is how we think about it. We think that if you put useful content out there, stuff that uh, helps people solve their problems, they're more likely to trust you. Like personally, uh, as I said, I don't remember a time where I clicked an ad and that's how I started using a product. Same here for me. I mean, ads don't really work, I don't think, because, I mean, you see all these ads on Google, they just pop up, okay, use me on YouTube, you see these ads for, like, different, like, SaaS companies. But, I mean, the question is, I mean, targeting is good, but what I see is, I mean, targeting, how do you target someone when you don't know the the problem the person is actually facing? I mean, you can use cookies and tracking to, like, understand what who the person is, but... You can't spend money not knowing that that money is not going to be spent efficiently. So how I see it is that if you should have people actually facing the problem first, and that's when you get to, if you have to pay for like your users or like um, people who are actually using the platform right now to give them a better experience with eyes. I mean, not really with a discount or something, but like having them feel like they're being like loved with the company that is what we would rather spend money on on our users than having random people who might or might not be needing having the problem we are trying to solve like see an ad that is and click it and i mean give us click through higher click through rates and all that but then not actually materialize into someone with a problem coming to the platform to get a solution to it so that that's how we see it i mean it's, it's good people use it it's targeting but it could be better if they could make it like hyper targeted, more like targeting your mind to see if they actually have the problem in your mind. <laughs> and then that may be actually a better way to do it. Yeah. Also, uh, typically user acquisition spending increases with scale and with volume. And I just read an article um, by Andrew Chan, who is with A16Z. And he was exactly talking about the problem with paid acquisition, how it doesn't really work and it skews the user, uh, excuse me, not user, unit economics the wrong way. Yeah. So we don't believe in LTV to CAC. I love this. All right. Uh, Love the contrarian point of view. That's great. (laughs) Thank you for that. Uh, That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about kind of product roadmap in to the extent that you can around maybe some upcoming trends in technology and or even, you know, in a post-COVID world, uh, maybe even behaviors on the on the startup user side that you think you guys will be able to capitalize on in the next couple of years? Okay. Um, so looking at what is happening now with COVID and everything, we're seeing um, LSX actually be quite very relevant because, I mean, so many more people cannot attend events. 
So this means that, I mean, first of all, they have to go the event and network to be able to find um, good people. So we're looking into ways of how do we, I mean, there's so many apps out there. There's um, around the world, there's other ones, but we're looking into how do we create the offline feel of going for a physical event? I mean, we're not, I can't go into too much details on how we're solving that, but um, we're looking there. And I mean, also, if you look at what we have currently, um, there's so much more. I mean, actually, last month, we had like the best month last month regarding revenues. Like, so that's something we just popped in, but I can't go into details. But looking at what we have, we have, how do I even say it? So we have um, people who are more open to the idea of having like people they, who are not in their networks come speak at their events because, I mean, they will... Otherwise, I've met these people doing other networking events or other events, but then they are not able to meet them anymore. So they are beginning to trust us more and more with time to use a platform to source the best people from, I mean, around the country. And now, if you realize what's happening with COVID, you can see that location is quite unimportant right now because, I mean, you could actually host an event online and you could have speakers coming in from Seattle and New York and um, Boston in the same panel. So LSX is actually really positioned to capitalize on this current trend, which is, I think, is going to be a really good thing moving forward. Um, I mean, post-COVID, we can see that there's going to be a lot of changes in the society. There's going to be a new normal, which means that, I mean, the way things were is not going to be equal. I mean, we're going to do our best. I mean, most people are going to do their best to try and stay six feet apart. Um, I'm looking to see how that plays out. But, I mean, we believe that as people try and be more health conscious, we are the, will be the best platform to be able to get amazing events and stories out there and use the platform to be able to like share these good stories with the great audience uh, not only that but hosting events online affords greater flexibility you don't have to travel you don't have to uh, spend time and money getting places and that's not only relevant for speakers but also for audience Think about somebody who's from China, for example, and wants to attend a conference in the United States. That person needs to uh, plan months in advance because they need to go and like have their visa interview after they apply for a visa, and then they need to buy a plane ticket. So if they're attending a conference in December, they need to start planning in June. With online events, all that hassle is gone, and it opens up the opportunity to a lot of people all over the world. Yeah, I think COVID is going to really like shape the whole event space, first of all. agree with that, yeah. So, I mean, also with that being shaped, it's going to have ripple effects on other industries. I mean, how um, startups get visibility. Um, media is probably going to change a bit. I mean, it's probably going to be the same, but we're moving towards more audio media. So that is good. Um, but yeah, COVID is going to change so many things moving forward and everything we've known from the last 10 years is going to be quite different moving on to the next 10 years. And also the next 10 years also involves a lot of artificial intelligence. So, so many platforms and SaaS companies are going to get more intelligent with time. And I think we're moving into an economy where people's experiences, are like customer experiences, the focus and personalized customer experience the focus using a machine learning underlying layer in every product. So that's where we're moving towards. Yeah, visibility has been one space where data has not been utilized that much and AI has the potential to disrupt the space. Uh, we want to be the leader in technology in this space and 
utilize AI to make people's jobs more efficient and help people connect with the right opportunities more easily. As far as media goes, we're seeing another trend that is specifically decentralization. With the rise of Substacks, for example, we've seen something called the rise of the individual creator. So you have so many writers who are starting newsletters with paid subscription, and they're sharing interesting stories because they're really passionate about a space, and they're curating content for their audiences. We think that that's another trend that we can capitalize on, and that's only going to continue um, in the future. I like it. Let's talk and maybe we'll end here. So one of my one of my favorite questions these days, because it's something I'm struggling with in a couple of the companies that I'm involved in is is product market fit and how do you know when you have product market fit? I feel like you guys have already that would be my normal next question. I feel like you guys have already answered that because by not going after paid media, you or cut paid customer acquisition, you know you'll have product market fit when you have a, a large audience, right? When you have a bunch of startups and you have a bunch of media organizations, which is which is actually a, a great answer that I can intuit from your prior answers. But one of the things that that is interesting to me when I, you know, the next thing once you once you think about product market fit is what does success look like? So for you guys, when you think out five years, ten years, twenty years, you know, into the future, or however far the two of you think about taking LSX. What does success look like for you? What, when will the two of you step back and be like, whoa, like we never thought we would get here. What does that look like? <laughs> That's a really good question. Well, I imagine that our IPO might feel surreal. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would definitely feel surreal. Yeah. So um, what I see, I mean, success for us, I believe, defines are we able to get the best um, startups or the best companies with the best products noticed by everybody else? Because I think it's we can define our own metrics successfully for the company, but ultimately we're doing this whole thing to be able to help these underrepresented and underserved people get access to these great networks and these great opportunities to get more visible and share their stories with the world, right? And I don't think we'll probably ever get to that point. I'm sure it's something like, We'll probably keep chasing and trying to make it more efficient, trying to make sure and adapt it to whatever times come up because we don't know what to the next five to 10 years. I mean, the next six months happens like because everything is changing so fast. But ultimately, what we really want to do is be able to help innovators, whoever they are, like be able to connect with the right people at the right time to help their ideas or their vision succeed. So mm-hmm. we're here to support all those startups out there. Yep. And visibility is just step number one. We're starting with this space, but we think that there is so much more potential to connect people with one another. Because when you think about it, uh, networking is currently broken. Like the best option that we have out there is LinkedIn. And we all know that for most of us, we get a lot of noise in there. And you can't really control who reaches out to you, who connects with you. The average LinkedIn user does not know the majority of people they're connected with. So how do you filter through that and connect with the right people if you're looking um, for a partner, for example? How do you know who you talk to? This kind of targeted networking is something that we would want to deploy to use cases other than visibility. I love that you both brought that answer back in some way, shape, or form to the idea of meritocracy. 
which is super interesting. You can tell it really is one of your core values. All right. Final question. Where did the name Ellis X come from? <laughs> so uh, Ellis Island uh, was uh, the beginning of, of everything, essentially, um, because there there was a predecessor to LSX, which was an organization called Ellis Project that focused on helping immigrant entrepreneurs in the U.S. get more visibility. Then through conversations, we discovered that this was a problem that was not unique to immigrants, like American-born entrepreneurs were having the exact same challenges with visibility. And we were like, okay, well, let's keep the Ellis name because immigration and entrepreneurship are very closely intertwined. You all need to look at the um, stats of how many unicorn companies have been founded by immigrants or their children. And on top of that, the act of immigration is something very entrepreneurial. It uproots you and takes you to a new place where you don't know anybody and you have to start over. So we like that idea of the foundation of the United States and its culture of entrepreneurship being rooted in the fact that at some point, the majority of the population came from elsewhere. Uh, And the X is just like an exponent. We want to scale that and help everybody reap the benefits of entrepreneurship. It's also X for connection. It's the intersection where talented people meet. What a great answer. Thank you for that. All right, uh, Leah, Richard, if folks would like to get in touch with the two of you or would like to learn more about LSX, what's the best way for them to do that? We are on Twitter at LSX Inc. And you can also find us on LinkedIn. Yeah, just at LSX. These would be the two best channels. You can visit our website at LSX.com or send us an email at info at LSX.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having us. It was really interesting and fun. It's been our pleasure. Thank you, Mike. If you're thinking of launching a SaaS product, startup competitors can provide data on your closest competitors, survey potential users, or provide other product validation services. Learn more at startupcompetitors.com.